African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue. Uh, thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatam. I'll be with you in the next hour right here on our shortwave service on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. That's one of our services into Sub-Saharan Africa. We're also on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet, and uh, you can listen to us there in South Africa and also neighboring countries, www.channelafrica.co.za is where you can also stream us live. Thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue, where we look at the big subject matters on the African continent. Today, we're looking at the beginning of World Immunization Week. Uh, the World Immunization Week is a global public health campaign to raise awareness and increase uh, really information about immunization and also to look at issues around vaccine preventable diseases diseases and uh, uh, this year's theme is uh, protected together hashtag vaccines work highlights the need to improve pediatric vaccination rates globally as the world health organization uh, estimates that they have been stuck uh, at an 86 percent over the past year immunization saves millions of lives and is widely recognized as one of the world's most successful and cost-effective health interventions we've got on the line Dr. Paul Ann Businga, who is uh, from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. She's the country director for Nigeria, joining us from Abuja. We also have uh, Nicholas Danielson, who's the senior immunization specialist from UNICEF uh, at the Nairobi headquarters in the eastern and southern Africa area, and uh, that's in Kenya. And also we've got Dr. Felicitas Zaiwaira, who is the director of Family and Reproductive Health at the World Health Organization's regional office in Congo, Brazzaville. Thank you all for giving us your time. Now, let's look at the importance of immunization in general. Let's start with you, Dr. Polan. How important is a country's uh, immunization uh, health program? And uh, why is it so central for us to actually focus on immunization as a health imperative? Thank you very much. Uh, this is uh, this is Paul Amber Singer. I'm uh, very thrilled to join you today, and thank you very much for inviting me to, to join. You, know, you start by a very, very good question, how important immunization is in general health program uh, you know, of, of any country. So as we all know, vaccine saves lives. You know, immunization has been one of the very, very cost-effective interventions in public health that we've seen. You know, you know it's you know, money and strong routine in the general system are the foundation of any country primary health care system. Mm-hmm. And improving the number of children that receive those life-saving vaccines can have very, very positive impact on a range of health issues. You know, for example, you know, when parents bring their kids in, in a clinic for vaccination, 
health workers can address many potential issues, such, such as nutrition, care for pregnant women and newborn, and, and also disease prevention and treatment. You know. But however, if you look across you know, many countries, one in five children still do not receive all the necessary and basic vaccines. And you know, vaccine preventable disease still kills more than half a million children every year in Africa. You know, nearly 60% of global deaths. So immunization is really, really a very, very important component of all health general population in the country. This is why you know uh, this you know Africa Immunization Week is so instrumental, and we are very here at the Gates Foundation, very thankful for. WHO and all the other partners who are uh, you know, spreading these efforts. Now let's just click, create a clarification because I think it's always important, uh, uh, Dr. Basinga, uh, when listeners are understanding what immunization is because there's also a confusion between immunization and vaccination. Those terms sometimes get very confused and conflated most of the times. Can you give us a bit of a description between the difference between the two? Dr. I think I'll probably pass that sure. question to our colleague, our colleague from WHO. Sure, who really fantastic. Have a clear answer on this All right, let me take it to you, Dr. Felicitas Zawaira. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of that? Because I think we have to kind of create that distinction for listeners because they might not understand the two distinctions between the two, just so we can start off the conversation very clearly and so it can be understood by the listener. Uh, thank you very much, Benjamin. Uh, this is Dr. Felicitas Zawaira. As you rightly said, I'm um, answering this call from the regional office in Africa, uh, our regional office in Brazzaville. So vaccination is the act of actually intro- giving um, what we call antigen uh, to children, to adults, as the case may be. The immunization is a wider issue. When we talk about immunization, we are talking about even programmatic issues that are around immunization. So what we are focusing on, for example, this week, is to make sure that all children who are eligible to be vaccinated are vaccinated. Because at the end of the day, when we have vaccinated communities, we have healthy communities. Vaccination is really a a mechanism of preventing disease. So as we have always said, the adage is, uh, prevention is better than cure. So rather than wait for people to have pneumonia, diarrhea, um, uh, hepatitis, we would rather vaccinate them against those diseases so that they don't get Thank you. Well, let's take the conversation a bit further and also bring in our other guest, uh, Nicholas Danielson, Senior Immunization Specialist from the UNICEF uh, Headquarters in the Regional Office for Eastern and Southern Africa uh, in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, Nicholas, uh, from your perspective, looking at immunization as a whole from an African context, you know, we've kind of started framing how important is it, but what is the need currently and how well are we doing? Is there progress in, in this regard? Uh, thank you, Benjamin. This is Nicholas Danielson from <clears throat> I'm sitting in the UNICEF office in Nairobi. Yes, vaccinations are, are incredibly um, important for Africa. I don't think it can be overemphasized how important they are. And I think it's the, the African Immunization Week is an opportunity to also recognize the very large progress I think we've lost someone there on the line, but uh, N- Nicholas, you can continue there. I, thank you. I still hear you well, Benjamin. Um, 
Uh, I, let me take a, f- a few examples. Uh, so. The world is about to eradicate polio. There are only three countries in the entire world where there's mm. still wild polio uh, virus circulating. And Africa has done a tremendous job. The only place where there's still a question mark is now in northern, northern Nigeria in Africa. Um, measles deaths in Africa have dropped with 89% since 2000. That's a drop from 341,000 deaths due to measles in 2000 to a little bit more than 37,000 deaths in, in 2016. This is more than the average drop in the world, which was 84%. Uh, and immunization is really at the core of um, of um, um, primary health care. Uh, the return of investment in, in, in vaccinations sure. is tremendous. It's estimated that an investment of one US dollar in vaccination has a return of 44 US dollars in, in, uh, in health you know, mm. or, in, or in prevention of diseases. So these are, um, it's, it's a very, very important um, uh, child health program all mm. over Africa. Well, let me come back to Dr. and Basinga there, who is from the Bill and Melinda Gates uh, Foundation. And I'm looking at really in terms of, uh, would you say countries are taking it seriously and, and enforcing it the way that they should be on the African continent? Are you seeing a good strategy that are unfolding? I know that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation works a lot in this area of vaccine, vaccination. Seems like the passion of uh, the organization. Uh, what are your thoughts around uh, what's happening on the African continent, Doctor? Thank you very much. Uh, so the Gates Foundation, as you know, financially supports a lot of initiatives um, like immunization campaign and also, you know, supports uh, GAVI and the Global Alliance for Vaccine and Immunization and work very closely with WHO and UNICEF to really make sure that, uh, you know, immunization is top of the agenda in, in Africa. And, you know, with, you know, philanthropy organizations like, like, like ours can really play, you know, catalyst role in improving, you know, health across the world in Africa continent. And, you know, we've, um, you know, invest, invested in, you know, strategic uh, initiatives such as, um, you know, you know, discovery of development of uh, delivery of vaccines sure. and, and also supporting programs, etc. And, and we've seen some really great progress across the continent. And, you know, there are, you know, some countries across the continent who are really reaching, you know, the global target of, you know, getting the kids at, you know, 80% coverage of key uh, vaccines, which really protect the herd immunity and help to really protect the majority of the other kids. And also we are seeing other countries, you know, especially where they're, you know, conflict, et cetera, really struggling to raise the, uh, you know, the bar in terms of immunization. And also there's some disparity across countries and also within countries. So now we are more and more interested in, you know, working very closely with government and our key partners to really tackle the issue of disparity across countries. Like here in Nigeria, where I lead the Gate Foundation office, you know, we work very closely with different partners to really try to look at disparity across states, for example, because there are some states that are doing extremely well, uh, where we have more than 80% of kids uh, who are vaccinated, but there are also some states who are really struggling. 
mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. uh, you know have immunization less than ten sure. percent, which is uh, really a big challenge. So I would say overall, uh, you know, if you look at the past ten years, you know, uh, for example, immunization has been impressive in terms of decreasing mortality, uh, but also there's still some challenges as we have still you know five million kids you know dying annually based on you know mon- mostly on. Uh, you know, because of uh, you know, uh, you know, vaccine productivity, disease, you know, basically, you know, diarrhea mm. and, and, and other, other infections. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back to that because you're highlighting something very important and that there seems to be a, a new drive that's focused on yellow fever vaccinations, a collaborative uh, effort between the World Health Organization, UNICEF, aiming uh, to actually really have up to 1 billion Africans vaccinated against yellow fever in 27 high-risk countries by 2026. We'll speak about that emphasis on yellow fever after our break. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. You with me, Benjamin Mushatama. We'll be back and continue this health discussion after this. Channel Africa has good news for you. We have extended our reach. If you have an iPad or iPhone, download the Channel Africa iOS app at itunes.apple.com. If you have a cell phone, then get our Android app at Google Store. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on Channel Africa, where we give you things from an African perspective, give you stories from an African perspective, and also speak uh, to experts uh, on the African continent to look at various issues from politics to health uh, to agriculture. Well, today we're looking at a health story, and today is the beginning of World Immunization Week, and uh, we're looking at uh, the trends on the African continent when it comes to immunization. And let me come to you, Dr. Felicitas Zaiwara uh, from the World Health Organization. Uh, let's look at this uh, new effort uh, from um, the World Health Organization uh, collaborating with the Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, UNICEF. Why is it important that uh, we look at this focus of yellow fever? I know that uh, this collaboration is aiming to uh, have at least 1 billion Africans vaccinated against uh, uh, yellow fever by 2026. Tell us a little bit about this and why yellow fever has become the new emphasis. Well, uh, thanks very much, Benjamin. Sorry, I lost the transmission for a while. Uh, so. This week, just for, for to be, be correct, it's not a one vaccination week. It's, we are focusing, especially for us in Africa, on the Africa vaccination week. Globally, we follow, we we work on vaccination, and it is a vaccination week. But since we are talking about Africa specifically, I want us to also emphasize Africa vaccination week. So the issue around yellow fever, yellow fever is one of the uh, transmissible diseases, and and we need to uh, prevent it. And hence, we looked at the elimination of yellow fever. As you might have been aware, just last week, uh, our regional director was joining the other regional directors and the director general in Nigeria to launch the strategy to eliminate yellow fever. So there are some diseases that are there for elimination, and yellow fever is one of them. And what we are trying to do is all we do with all the other vaccines, <coughs> preventable diseases, 
is also to prevent yellow fever spreading in the areas where it is endemic. Thank you. And in terms of that particular process, uh, staying with you, Dr. Felicitas, I'm interested in uh, the strategy behind that. What would be required? What kind of resources would be distributed? And what kind of manpower would be involved in such a project? And how would you actually also uh, decide on which areas to go to, targeting areas? It's a very interesting operation. Uh, so if you could give us uh, just a brief outline on how these processes are carried out. So when we look at eliminating diseases, we look at the areas where the disease is most common. So you, you will be aware that we had yellow fever outbreak uh, in DRC, in, in, in Angola, uh, as well as in, in Nigeria, and, and a number of countries across, across the African uh, region. So the idea of coming up with a strategy is to make sure that we mobilize all the partners that we can, governments being in the center, to make sure that we look at vaccination, but we also look at how is the disease transmitted, and we work on reducing the transmission. And in this case, it's the mosquito that transmits uh, those diseases. So again, instead of just looking at vaccination, we're also looking at how we can reduce the transmission of, of the actual disease, having the right human resources, making sure that we have uh, the right quantities of uh, vaccines that are needed, making sure that they get to the people that need to be vaccinated. So all that uh, becomes part of an elimination strategy for any particular disease that we are talking about. And in this case, as you have rightly talked about, you are talking about yellow fever. Let me come to you, Nicholas, uh, um, just to expand that thought in terms of immunization, especially on the African continent. There's a lot of emphasis of uh, vaccination of young children and also the fact that there's a backlog in some countries in that regard. I know UNICEF works with children as a whole in this regard. Uh, are we progressing in, in that area? Because uh, worldwide, it seems like there are still a large number of infants worldwide that are missing out on basic vaccines. Um, thank you, Benjamin. Yeah, that is correct. Um, and, uh, Africa, uh, the African continent is definitely progressing. The, m- countries have introduced new vaccines in the last five to ten years, vaccines against uh, pneumonia, um, vaccines against uh, meningitis in the what is called the meningitis belt and uh, countries are also introducing new vaccines against cholera. And this has greatly contributed to the reduction in child mortality and in, in the number of children who are dying before the age of five in Africa, which has halved since 2000. But it's also true to, that the vaccination coverage, the proportion of the children on average in Africa that receive all their vaccinations has and and this is a challenge mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. I, I know that countries are recognizing and the um, uh, this declaration of immunization where the, the heads of state have agreed to invest in immunization and also to monitor and report in immunization in the country are taken very very seriously um, and um, and in and within UNICEF, we are particularly concerned about those children who miss out, and there are 
many groups, but maybe the, important, the most important, the biggest group, are the ch children of poor parents. So, almost in most countries, children of poor parents have up to 20% lower vaccination coverage yeah, than, than other children in the country. And there's really no reason why it should be like that. Because the poor children live among us. Uh, they have the same distance mm -hmm. to the health centers. Uh, they, they are part of the society. And, um, and, and I think immunization programs across Africa need to find ways of reaching poor children, of reaching mm -hmm. children of uh, uneducated mothers and so on. So, so how do you reverse that equity. process, Nicholas, the fact that uh, sometimes it's about excess more than anything else? How do you make sure that that excess is also made available in also poor areas on the continent? It's true. It is about access to services. And, and those barriers to access are to a large degree, social barriers and not physical barriers. It's not that, that uh, so that uh, the immunization services need to be tailored to the needs of poor parents, to the needs of, of, of children of certain uh, ethnic groups or to the, the needs of children of parents who do not read and write, for example. And this, this is a challenge for program to um, uh, improve equity, to reduce these disparities between different um, uh, groups of children. Mm -hmm. um, there are many ways to do it, uh, uh, and, and there is not one solution. Um, one, among the important um, things to do is to strengthen the interaction with the communities, to, um, uh, to increase community linkages, to uh, work with community health workers who can facilitate the contact between parents and health centers and health facilities where vaccinations are given. Well, uh, we're going to come back to that. And I want to bring that uh, question back uh, to you, Dr. Uh, Paul and Basinga, the issue of uh, inequalities and equity and excess. How is that related to the issue of immunization? It's uh, uh, the start of immunization week, and we're looking at it from an African perspective and also looking at uh, con uh, world dynamics. Uh, we are joined on our program by Dr. Paul and Basinga who is uh, a country director for Nigeria at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Nicholas Danielson is also joining us, a senior immunization specialist, uh, joining us from Nairobi, Kenya, at the UNICEF headquarters there in the regional office for Eastern and uh, Southern Africa. Dr. Felicitas Zaiwar is also with us. He's uh, from the World Health Organization regional, con uh, regional office in Congo, Brazzaville, rather, and uh, he is uh, the director of family and reproductive health at the World Health Organization in that particular office. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back after this. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French, and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalun Yenzovo, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa. 
Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, uh, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, where we look at things from an African perspective. This is such an important subject matter, uh, immunization on the African continent. I know that it's become peripheral as a news item, uh, but it's very important that we trace how effective we are doing when it comes to immunization. And I, I want to come back to Dr. Pauline Basinga, because uh, do- both Dr. Felicitas Zaiwara and uh, Nicholas Danielson have been also alluding to issues of uh, uh, the fact that uh, sometimes access to immunization or vaccines is more of an issue of uh, affordability and uh, issue of access, especially to those who come from uh, poor countries. What are your thoughts around those uh, concepts that have been uh, emphasized specifically by uh, uh, Mr. Nicholas Danielson? Dr. Pasinga, up to you. Dr. Pasinga, are you there? Thank you very much. Yeah, sure. You can go ahead. Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you very clearly. Yeah, sure. So, you know, the the good news is that the global community has been doing a lot of work to work closely with different countries to make vaccines, you know, available at the country level. So so that, uh, you know, even the poorest families don't have to pay for vaccines. So when you look at the package of services offered at the, you know, health center level, or even, um, you know, for outreach, those services are not paid, so they are free of charge. So just, uh, you know, very, very good, um, you know, approach that have been put in place to make vaccine available. But that requires really many countries to continue to provide their, you know, funding counterparts to work very, very closely with, you know, Gazi, UNICEF, and WHO to make sure that vaccines continue to be available. But also, in the other side, is not only vaccine, but also the, you know, putting funds available to operationalize the program. Because you don't only need vaccines, but also you need to make sure that the vaccination centers are, you know, have staff available, you have all the paperwork, you have all the equipment, you have, you know, everything that is needed to make sure that the routine immunization program and the outreach services will be performed. Mm. Uh, that needs funding from government and, and consistency so that, you know, the people who need, um, uh, you know, vaccine can continue to get vaccine, you know, free of charge. So there is a continuous uh, work that we all need to do to mm. ensure that routine immunization are, you know, effectively funded so that the poorest can not have to pay for it. Dr. Zawaira, another obstacle of excess can be actually uh, come from the fact that sometimes in areas there's a lot of conflicts that are taking place. We can look at South Sudan, we can look at the Democratic Republic of Congo and the Congo as well, where sometimes we find ourselves in areas where there is a lot of conflicts taking place and sometimes those conflicts um, actually uh, can interrupt uh, interventions for immunization. As World Health Organization, how do you work around those uh, complex uh, political environments at times? Uh, Thank you, Benjamin. Conflict is a real uh, challenge uh, for our region, and in some of those countries that you have mentioned, we have realized, for example, if you take the northern part of Nigeria, where children are not immunized because there is conflict. You have spoken about other countries within the region, Central Africa, uh, Congo. So what we have uh, tried to do is to appeal 
to even warring function to, to stop the war for the sake of the children. So we will have some conflict-free days where health workers can go in and immunize children. So that is one area where access becomes impossible because the health workers cannot travel to the area. Just uh, a few days ago, even I think 48 hours ago, we had a report in South Sudan that uh, teams that had gone for national immunization days, they, they, they were shot at and some have lost their lives. So health workers have lost their lives in the process of trying to provide a common good, as, uh, as uh, Paula Bess said. This is supposed to be a free service. which is supposed to go out to the country, to, to the children who need it. So what we really appeal to is, is for warring factions to understand also that children need to receive this service. And we have found that where there have been conflict, even when we are talking about eradication of polio, we could not go into those areas. And somebody said it's not just the, uh, just the admission of vaccines, but also the program issues to be able to put in place a surveillance system that tells us whether we have really eradicated the problem, we have really eliminated the problem. So when there is conflict, then it means that our teams that are supposed to go out there and do surveillance cannot do it. So conflict is a big challenge that really works against uh, immunization. Mm. Dr. Felicitas, you highlighted something very important, and maybe our listeners don't understand that term in itself from a health perspective, as that term of surveillance. Tell us a little bit about what you mean when you refer to surveillance uh, from uh, an immunization, immunization uh, uh, process. How does that actually take place? So surveillance is, is just a, a, a biological uh, terminology that means we are looking, we are searching actively to know whether we have a problem or we don't have it. Mm. So we have our teams that go out, that look at the environment, that look at, 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 at uh, uh, the, 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 the people that have been immunized to make sure that the disease is not erupting again. So when we send our teams out to do that monitoring, that evaluation, that surveillance, if they cannot have access to the areas, to the children, to the programs to be able to do their work, then we are caught unawares when then suddenly the disease erupts. That shows that a system is weak. So we ask, it's a, it's a, it's a government as a, a role to be able to ensure that they have strong surveillance. So, for example, if we say we are going to eliminate polio, we are going to eradicate polio, we have to, for a number of years after we have declared we don't have polio anymore, to be able to show that it's true we don't have polio. And we have to have mm-hmm. that strong surveillance system that will prove that we have eliminated a, a, a disease. Well, let's wrap it up, and I'd like to get just your final sentiments from each of our guests on the line. Let's start with you, Dr. Uh, Paula and Basinga, in terms of there has been momentum in the immunization space on the African continent. What more needs to be done to make sure that we keep up the pace? Thank you very much. I think uh, we need to continue this momentum. And, uh, you know, there's the, the need for government and all the partners to continue putting immunization on, you know, the top of the agenda as we talk about primary health care because vaccine works and, you know, just making sure that 
you know, vaccines are available and making sure that, you know, we understand, you know, all the, you know, different, you know, uh, you know uh, implementation uh, parameters that we need to make sure that we continue to really increase coverage, that will be critical. Because, you know, the only way we will ensure that kids are protected from, you know, vaccine-presented with disease is only if we are able to raise the coverage of key vaccines up to 80% so that we can, you know, provide protection for the majority of the kids. And that will take a lot. It will take funding, it will take political commitment, it will take excellence in execution of our programs so that we really continue to keep vaccine on the top of the agenda. And also, I just wanted to, you know, before I close, to give a shout-out to the Nigerian government on something that they did last year, which is that they revised their vaccination coverage estimates downwards because in the past they used to use their, um, you know, routine, you know, routine, you know, uh, health information management system data, which was showing that some, you know, states had vaccine coverage around 80 or 100 percent, which was not true. So they had to go through, you know, uh, to take really a bold step, uh, you know, for them to really choose accurate numbers. That's, um, um, you know, not higher, but the National Pharmacy Development Agency yeah. declared that a state of emergency on routine immunization, you know, because of the, the recognition of those low numbers. So it's just good to start from the right numbers and then also to really increase our capacity to effectively implement so that we can see increasing coverage and then, you know, decreasing mortality due to preventable vaccines. Thank you. Nicholas, uh, your final sentiments in terms of how to keep uh, the momentum going. Uh, we know there's still challenges. We know, according to the World Health Organization, global vaccination coverage has stalled at 86%. So there's still a bit of work to do to make sure that that uh, a coverage percentage is increased. Uh, yes, thank you, Benjamin. Uh, first of all, I'd like to connect with what was said before by Polan about uh, equity. It is true that the the, the Gavi Alliance and the, the partners of the Gavi Alliance have made uh, vaccines available also to poor countries. Mm. This is a fantastic achievement. But equity also has to happen within countries. Uh, countries have to be able to deliver the vaccine to the disadvantaged children, the unvaccinated children, the poor children. And I think this is uh, some of the biggest challenges. Uh, You mentioned that uh, vaccination coverage rates have stalled at 86% globally. We need to recognize that they have stalled at far below that in Africa. But these should be seen as opportunities. There are there are some countries in Africa, and I'm just taking a few examples. Rwanda, with uh, immunization rates of up to 98%, Tanzania as well. But then there are other countries where there is it's possibility to prevent so many more deaths by increasing uh, immunization coverage. Uh, and uh, and this is where we need to focus. I think that that the sub-Saharan African continent needs to look at innovation and the opportunities mm-hmm. with new technologies. Uh, the, there are so many inventions here. I, I'm sitting in a country where, in, in Kenya, where people make payments, do their tax returns, register their children's birth on their, on their phones. The same thing can be done for vaccinations. Uh, you can record vaccinations, keep track of who is vaccinated and unvaccinated and who needs to come back remind parents when they come back. 
uh, immunization programs need to embrace new technologies while protecting the gains mm. that have already been made. Mm. I also would like to, con to, to comment on, on the conflict. In UNICEF, we recognize that there are three very important groups of, of children uh, that need special attention uh, um, uh, across the world, but, in, but maybe in Africa particularly. Children who are affected by conflict and violence, vaccination rates drop. Children who live in urban slums, informal settings of, of, of uh, large cities, huh? and urbanization is going very, very quickly in Africa, and, they, and there's a need for, um, for finding new solutions to reach those children with immunizations. And the third so, group yeah. is the other children who live in yeah. remote rural areas, or yeah. children uh, who, who belong to groups who are migrant or pastoralists or yeah. moving around yeah. and difficult yeah. to, to reach. Well, we're going to end it there. Uh, we've run out of time, but I would like to thank all of you for giving us your time. Thank you to Nicholas Danielson, who's a senior immunization specialist, uh, joining us from UNICEF, uh, the headquarters of the Regional Office for Eastern and Southern Africa in Nairobi, Kenya. Thank you also to Dr. Felicita Zaywaira, who is the Director of Family and Reproductive Health at the World Health Organization's Regional Office in Congo, Brazzaville. Last but not least, uh, thank you as well to Dr. Paulan Basinga, who is uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation's country director for Nigeria, uh, joining us on the line from Abuja. So thank you all for giving us your time. Thank you, Benjamin. Fantastic. Thank you, Benjamin, and goodbye to everybody. Fantastic. Please ensure the children are vaccinated. Sure, definitely. Thank Please you so much, that. Dr. Felicitas. And uh, that's how we're going to wrap it up. Well, let's end it with some beautiful music from Judith Sapuma. This one is titled, You Had a Hand on Me. Mm -hmm.